Good afternoon. I'm Lou Eisen, and welcome to Ring Talk. As a boxing historian, writer, and author, I I have uh, seen a lot of fights, read about thousands of fights, and I've seen this fight many times. This is one of the greatest fights of all time. It has to rank up there as one of the great fights of all time. And just as a side note, this is my real hair, in case some of you are wondering if I got a buzz cut today and had my head shaved. My hair would look like this within four weeks. I don't know why, just is. Anyways, back to the program. Now, with uh, Joe Lewis, by the time he, he won the title in 37 against Jimmy Braddock, and uh, he annihilated Jimmy Braddock, broke his, caved in his face, broke his cheekbones, nose, hit him with a right hand in the eighth round. Braddock dropped him in the first round, and Lewis was too, was too, um, I'm not going to say too frisky, but was too eager, you know, to beat Braddock. Most people believe, and we're right, Braddock didn't really stand a chance against him. Braddock was a puffed-up light heavyweight who won the title in a big upset over Max Baer in 34. And Braddock had an arthritic left arm, which when you're fighting a guy who has the most devastating right hand in history, it makes it difficult. So he, after he gets knocked down in the first round, his trainer, every great fighter, has someone who created them. So Sugar Ray Robinson was Harry Wiley. Angelo Dundee helped create Muhammad Ali. And Ray Arcel, you know, created a lot of magnificent fighters, Roberto Duran. Also, Charlie Goldman created Rocky Marciano. So guys that could look at something in the raw and say, this guy's got real talent. He could be something special. And that was Jack Blackburn. Jack Blackburn was a guy who fought as a lightweight and he fought in the 1890s and uh, late 1880s and retired in the early uh, 20th century and became a trainer of fighters. He had a long scar on his face, which was given to him by his brother who stabbed him in a fight. He killed a man in a fight, Jack Blackburn. Um, he wasn't aiming for the guy that he shot. He was aiming for someone else, but missed, went to prison he he um, was about 5'10", 5'11", fought the great Simon Langford to a draw. He, no, he's only 135 pounds, but he fought heavyweights and beat them. Brilliant boxing mind. But when he when he got out of prison, first of all, this is integral to the story of Billy Kahn and Joe Lewis. The, the fight, the, the trainer, uh, Jack Blackburn, when he went to prison, uh, asked his, who he thought was his good friend, Jack Johnson, to give him bail money, and he wouldn't. And he was furious because Johnson, this is the late, early 1900s. This is, um, you know, he had helped Johnson was in prison once before, and he bailed him out to five grand. That's all the money Blackburn had. And when Johnson refused him, he said, I gave you my life savings. And Johnson said, well, you were stupid enough to do it. I didn't force you. And so years and years and years later, after Blackburn gets a hold of Joe Lewis and trains him and turns him into a great fighter, Johnson comes up to the training camp in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey, and try, wants to convince Joe Lewis to get rid of Jack Blackburn. And as he's talking to Lewis, he hears the unmistakable clicking of a gun, and it's a revolver at Jack, Black, Jack Blackburn put to his head. Blackburn wasn't kidding. Johnson knew it. He just said, you leave now or I'll blow your head off. And Johnson smartly left. Uh, Blackburn ended up in Philadelphia training fighters. 
and he was training a guy named Arnold Cream, later known as Jersey Joe Walcott. And then two numbers runners came to him from Detroit and Chicago. And um, Julian Black and Jack Roxborough. And they said, we got a great young fighter and he's a heavyweight and we think he's got special. And when they introduced him, he said, no, he's black. No, I got no truck with black fighters. They're not going to ever get a chance to fight for a world title. And Roxborough and Black said, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And he turned Joe Lewis into Superman, into the single greatest fighting machine ever to have lived. No one. No one. Look at me. No one in the past 300 years and in the next 300 years could punch like Joe Lewis. No one. When Joe Lewis hit you, he broke things. He put you down. You were finished. So Blackburn takes on Joe Lewis, and he starts training him. How do we move Joe Lewis up the ladder? Well, they called Jimmy Johnson, the boy bandit. And they said, we got a young fighter. And he said, I heard about him. But, you know, being an N-word, he's got to take a loss. He's got to take some fixed fights. And they said, no. He said, well, then he'll never fight here in New York or for the title. At that time, Jimmy Johnson was in a battle with um, Mike Jacobs, the promoter. And Jacobs was promoting fights at the Polo Grounds. And he wanted to get rid of Jimmy Johnson. And uh, Rick had been around for a long time. He'd support – or Rickard. J Mike Jacobs had been around for a long time. He supported uh, Tex Rickard. He, he was the one who funded Rickard the money for the Jack Dempsey fights and for his other fights to build the stadium. What Jacobs was, he was the most successful – ticket scalper in the world. Not just boxing, baseball, football, hockey, opera, Broadway. He made tens of millions of dollars doing this. So because he was able to help people out, he got a choice of the best seats to scalp. And so Lewis's people went to him and Jacobs didn't care what color your skin was. The only color he cared about was green money. And so he started to get Lewis fights in New York. And the first big fight he had was against Primo Carnero, who was 6'6", and Lewis butchered him for six rounds. At this time, uh, Billy Kahn is fighting, starts as a middleweight, and he comes up, goes up through middleweight to light heavyweight. It's hard to describe Billy Kahn. It isn't and isn't. Billy Kahn was a slick, moving, stick-and-move fighter. He was technically perfect. He was brilliant technician. He, he was almost impossible to hit. He was like a light heavyweight version of Ali, except he, and he had tremendous hand speed and brilliant footwork and mobility. He had, he had one of, if not the best I've ever seen, sense of ring geography. And by that I mean was he knew where he was in proportion relative to the fighter he was fighting and where the ropes and the turnbuckles were at all times. You weren't going to surprise him by backing him into the ropes and he always knew where, what his position was in the ring. He was very hard to hit with a flush shot. Now, Billy Kahn, uh, this fight was June 18th, 1941, at the Polo Grounds. Uh, Billy Kahn weighed 174 pounds. Joe Lewis weighed 199 and a half. That's significant. The contract stated that Joe Lewis had to come in under 200. Joe Lewis usually fought at 200, 212, 215. He was a big guy. He was 6'2". Khan was 6'1 and a half. So 
the reason they wanted Lewis to come in under 200 was for psychological reasons. You see, Billy Kahn wouldn't weigh more than 174. So they thought a guy over 200, you know, who might have a 30, 40 pound weight advantage, it would be a mismatch. Everyone thought it was a mismatch. No one could, no one wanted to fight Joe Lewis then. He'd beaten everyone. So Khan said, I will. Why did Khan move up to the heavyweight? Well, for the obvious reasons. He moved up to the heavyweight division because that's where the money was. He wanted to make money. He was in the sport to make money. And money was in the heavyweight division. Light heavyweights made some money, but not the money that, that he made, uh, that a heavyweight would make. Uh, Billy Khan won. He was born October 8th, 1917, and he, he and Joe Lewis was born in uh, Alabama, uh, Mar uh, May 9th, 1913. And the thing about 1914, excuse me, the thing about um, Khan was he won the world title, light heavyweight title for Emilio Bettina at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh, and he did it on an unanimous decision. He boxed his ears off. Khan was a frustrating fighter. You know, he, he, he was sort of like a light heavyweight version of Floyd Mayweather, I guess. He he was almost impossible to hit with a flush shot. Now, one of the myths I wanted to dispel about this fight was when people say Billy Kahn, Joe Lewis, the first fight, they fought twice. The first fight, they always say, well, he can run, but he can't hide. They believe Billy Kahn said that, and that was Joe Lewis's response. Not true. Lou Nova, who had the cosmic punch, whatever that was, was signed to fight Lewis. Lewis knocked him out. And they asked him, how are you going to fight Joe Lewis? And Lou Nova said he can, I'll run. That's what I'll do. And Lewis famously said, he can run, but it's a ring. He can't hide. Lewis had a mother wit. Once when a reporter said, I heard you don't like getting it in the stomach. And he said, who does? Which is true. So they trained for this fight. And Mike Jacobs said to Joe Lewis, the same way Tex Record had said to Dempsey before the George Carpentier fight, another light heavyweight, heavyweight matchup, he said, Whatever you do, don't kill him. You know, you can beat Billy, you can knock Billy down or whatever, but don't really mess up his face or hurt him. And that sort of puts Lewis in a quandary. I mean, he he's the champ. He wants to stay the champ. He doesn't want to lose his title. But he's fighting a popular white challenger in that era, 1941. And the fight took place months before Pearl Harbor happened. So this is sort of an idol, you know, in, in a peaceful time in American history. America knows, Roosevelt knows they're going to war against Germany and Japan. It's only a matter of time. But this is just the calm before the storm. And this was one of the biggest fights because Billy Kahn said, I'm going to beat him. Billy Kahn drew a sketch of him knocking out Joe Lewis. And Kahn was, as I said, a real slickster in the ring. He was a hard guy to catch. Most guys that fought Joe Lewis, when you watch the film, they came straight at him, which is suicide. If you go to Joe Lewis in a straight line and you fight his fight, you're going to get destroyed. And a lot of guys did that. Nathan Mann did that. Johnny Paycheck did that. Get a chance, go to YouTube, watch the Johnny Paycheck knockout because he falls with his arms splayed out, head bounces off the canvas, and in the newspaper the next day it said, have you ever seen a ghost walking? I have. And that was the knockout of Johnny Paycheck. He destroyed Tony Galento. And this is another part of Joe Lewis's wit. Galento knocked him down with the sucker left hook. And after the fight, they said, does Galento hit hard? And Lewis said, he hits hard enough to knock me down. And he said, you don't have to hit much harder than that in boxing. But uh, every punch he landed on Galento opened a cut on Galento's skin. Lewis was just a murderous puncher. And the reason was, of course, he had tremendous balance. His balance was absolutely perfect. 
Lewis did everything perfectly. Double left jab. His jab could knock your teeth out. You could knock, you knock guys down with jabs. Come over with that tremendous right hand on your chin, lights out. And when he had you hurt, if he staggered you with the jab or a right hand, all he had to do was hurt you once. 45-minute fight, one shot, one second. If you were staggered, you were finished. You were out. Because he would land two or three or four real hard shots after that within a second or two. You were done. And there was a lot of ballyhoo to this fight. And because Lewis came in under 199, the public didn't perceive it as the mismatch that people inboxing really thought it would be. No one thought Billy Kahn would go more than several rounds because he was a light heavyweight. He'd never been hit by someone like Joe Lewis. But what the experts didn't realize, of course, excuse me, was the fact that Kahn had been moving up and he'd been fighting heavyweights and he'd been beating heavyweights. And, you know, he, he vacated his light heavyweight world title and he started to fight heavyweights and beat them. Didn't knock them out, but he was beating them by decision. And he had tremendous hand speed, so he could get in there and land six, seven, eight shots and get out of the pocket before the other guy had a chance to counter. Most heavyweights back then, other than Joe Lewis, were lumbering guys who just moved towards you in a straight line, just hoped to wear you down. Khan didn't do that. Khan would hit you, hit and move, hit and move, and keep circling you, keep forcing you to reset, keep forcing you to chase him. And guys weren't that good. A lot of the heavyweights back then are cutting off the ring. And at that point, you know, they get tired and frustrated, at which point you Khan had you. So they have this fight. They're both well-trained for it. Khan's bragging before the fight. I'm going to whoop Joe Lewis. Why can't I beat Joe Lewis? He outweighs me by a bit, but technically I'm a better boxer. I got quicker hands than he does. I have quicker feet than he does. So Lewis had tremendously quick hands and feet, but Khan was that much quicker. He was that much lighter. So the fight starts in the polo grounds, and People are watching the fight, and in the first round, you know, Billy Kahn is circling Lewis constantly, but he's also moving in and landing a lot of good shots, quick shots, bap, 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 you know, double jab, couple right hands, left hook, right hook, and he gets out of the way. Lewis fires back, but Kahn's already out of there, and he does this for the first couple rounds, and after the first two, three rounds are over, reporters are looking at each other at ringside, and they're sort of hesitant to say to each other, but they're saying, I, I think Khan won the first three rounds. What do you think? And they're saying, yeah, I, I think he's ahead. And Khan had found his rhythm, and he found it early. Lewis was frustrated. Khan wouldn't stay in one place long enough for him to land his shots. Lewis had to do something that's one of the most difficult things to do in boxing, uh, which was to land a shot on a guy that's moving. You have to move in rhythm with him. That's not an easy thing to do, especially when Khan's moving here, and as you move to him, he moves back here, and then he moves back here, and then he circles around. He's not an easy guy to lay a good shot on. He's a very, very frustrating guy to fight, very highly skilled. And so he's moving around, third round, fourth round, in between the rounds, the great Jack Blackburn, who trained Lewis, is saying, just calm down. Calm down. You're, you're, you're loading up. And he's saying what, um, uh, what, what you know, Angelo Dundee used to say to his fighters, don't load up. 
A lot of great comments here. Con, yeah, Khan did look very slight. Thank you, David, next to Lewis. But it took a lot of punches to put him away. That's true in the later rounds. Uh, you know, um, yeah, their careers would have been different if World War II did not, would not have happened. But World War II took a lot out of both fighters, but especially out of Billy Khan. Um, yeah, and both, they both lost four years of their career to, the, to, um, to World War II. A lot of fighters did. In fact, the, my favorite baseball player, Ted Williams, lost five years, Second World War, and the Korean War to his baseball career. So this happened to a lot of people. Uh, what stood out with Khan is that we have seen guys who were faster afoot than Lewis, Ramage and Pastor, most notably. But Khan was the first one who was also faster with his hands. Thank you, David. That's a magnificent point. Khan did have quicker hands than Joe Lewis, and that hadn't been seen before in the ring. There were guys with quicker hands than Lewis, but they weren't heavyweights or light heavyweights. Khan was. Khan could get in there, land his shots, and then get out. So, David, those are, I, I, thank you, because those are all magnificent points. Um, so what happens is, is... Khan is just piling up rounds. He's winning rounds. And Khan's corner had said to him, the idea isn't to knock Joe Lewis out. That's not the idea. The idea is to beat him. Victory is what you want. Who cares if you knock him out? As long as when it's over, you have the world heavyweight title belt, you get all that money. So don't worry about, do not worry at all in any way about knocking him out. You're not going to knock Joe Lewis out. It's not going to happen. Schmeling was the last guy to do it. And yes, Zev, you're right. Uh, I'm going to get to that point in a sec. And you're right. Everyone did think Lewis would kill Khan. And, and right. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, Khan only weighed 174, but actually officially 169. You're right. He was 31 pounds less than Joe Lewis. And this is why most people thought it would have been just, you know, a complete mismatch, that they would have just destroyed that Lewis would have walked through Khan easily. The, the people at ringside couldn't believe what they were seeing. Um, obviously, I wasn't there. Uh, Angelo Dundee, who had enlisted in the U.S. military, wasn't there. But his brother, Chris Dundee, the promoter, was there. And he said it, it was the most shocking thing because for Joe Lewis to lose was unfathomable, but also to lose a round wasn't even in the realm of comprehension. Everyone, all colors, all religions, races, creeds, all over the world, loved Joe Lewis, and they depended on him. He was the one dependable thing during the 1940s. Joe Lewis could win, and he was such a sportsman. He was such a great guy. Zev, I do agree with you. I would say Billy Kahn was probably the most single-talented fighter that Joe Lewis ever fought. It's debatable. The first fight with Jersey Joe Walcott, uh, Walcott was incredible. And, and you know, Lewis fought a lot of great fighters. And, and Zev, I want to thank you for bringing that point up. Lewis had a thing called the Bum of the Month Club. I've talked about this before many times. Most people today and then didn't know what the Bum of the Month Club meant. If you ask someone today, I'm 61. If you ask someone in their 80s or 90s or younger, they'll give you the same answer. Everyone he fought was a bum. That's not what it meant. Bomb of the Month Club meant that Joe Lewis's talent level was so supreme that he made even good fighters look like bums. Max Schmeling wasn't a bum. He was a former world champion. So was Jack Sharkey. So was Max Baer. You know, uh, uh, Ramage was a great fighter. 
You know, Bob Pastor could fight. Tony Galento had a lot of good wins. These guys weren't bums. All these guys could fight. But Lewis was just that much superior because of his superior technique, balance, and his absolutely titanic nuclear-powered fist. No one could ever punch like Joe Lewis. So Khan is winning the fight. Lewis is winning some rounds. He's managing to catch Khan at times and land some body shots. Jack Blackburn is telling Lewis between rounds, ignore the head. You're not going to get his head. Get the body. What Khan was really good at, too, was setting traps. He was good at, at, at suckering guys into making, the, making them think they see an opening. And when they reached for it, he would slip the shot, move, land four or five of his own, and then move to the side, slip to the side. He would slide under. He did what Angelo Dundee loved most. When he would slide under a guy's shots, he would hit him. When Joe Lewis missed, Billy Kahn made him pay and whacked him back. That's the main thing about boxing and about Joe Lewis. Most guys were terrified when they fought Joe Lewis, they were, and for good reason. And so they were afraid to throw punches because if they made a mistake, Lewis would knock you out. You'd end up in the hospital. However, even, even when they threw shots, they realized, you know, if, if they miss, they're going to get hurt. If they hit him, they're going to anger him. So, but Khan wasn't like that. Khan had no fear. He had nothing to lose. He wasn't expected to win in the first place. So the rounds are going into the bank for Khan. He's building a lead. And you're getting to the sixth, seventh, eighth round. And at that point, the reporters at Ringside are starting to say, you know, what, what's going on here? Is this an epic upset? Is this the greatest upset of all time? Does does Lewis have to knock him out? Does Joe Lewis have to knock out Billy Kahn to retain his title? I'm going to get to that in a bit. but And I'll tell you the scores at the time the fight ended. But it turns out, no, he didn't have to. So the fight is a hard-fought fight. Lewis is doing the best he can. Seventh, eighth round, they're in a clinch. And Billy Kahn says, Joe, you got a fight in your hands. And Lewis says, don't I know it? And in the eighth round, something significant happened. And people have misinterpreted that, you know, for over 60 years. Billy Kahn was on the ropes. He was slipping and moving and threw a punch. He missed. He fell backwards, didn't go down, but his right arm got caught outside the ropes. He was still standing. So he had one arm outside the rope, one arm holding himself up on the rope. Within the rules of boxing, at that time, Lewis could hit him. Lewis would, would have been within his rights and within the rules to punch him. It was a free target. Could have taken him out. Didn't do that. He took two or three steps back, put his hands down, and let Khan uh, regain his footing, bring his arms in. They nodded to each other, and then they started to fight. And forever after, people said, Joe Lewis is the greatest sportsman of all time. That's not why Joe Lewis did it. Joe Lewis didn't move back and put his hands down and not hit him because of, he was a sportsman, although he was a sportsman. He did it because he had supreme confidence in his own ability that eventually he would catch up the con and knock him out. He didn't want to knock him out under those circumstances and have people say, well, he was winning, but you wait until he, until he fell. You waited and he tripped and got his arms caught and then you knocked him out. Didn't want that on his conscience. He said, I'm good enough. I'll get him on my own time. So... They, they thought, you know, as around people watching thought Lewis should have done that because eighth round's in the books. 
ninth rounds in the books, you know, and, and Lewis is getting desperate. He's doing everything he can. And as the fight goes on, Khan's getting bolder. Khan is making the mistake, which Zev alludes to here earlier. He said Billy made a mistake, horrible mistake of standing in front of Lewis in the 13th round and trying to finish him off. That's very true. But this actually started 9th, 10th, 11 cons. Uh, confidence is starting to really grow. Now he's thinking, not only am I going to beat the great Joe Lewis, which you should have realized at the time, but you can't blame him. His adrenaline's pumping. I'm beating the greatest fighter ever to have lived, and I'm beating him handily. He's thinking, I'm going to more than beat him. I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to be the first light heavyweight guy to go all the way to heavyweight and knock out the champion. Not just any champion, the greatest fighter ever to have lived. So, ninth round, tenth round. They're slugging it out. Lewis is starting to land some shots. He's winning some rounds here and there because Khan's staying in the pocket too long. But Lewis can't hit Khan in the head. He's trying to. He's landing one shot here or there, but when he lands a good shot, Khan rolls with the punch. And, and or he slips, you know, he slips it or he slides under the punch. And when Lewis misses, he makes him pay. But each succeeding round, ninth round, eighth round, ninth round, tenth round, eleventh round, Khan staying in the pocket a few seconds more, a few seconds more, and a few seconds more. And Lewis is landing a bit more each round. In between the rounds, that's not lost on Jack Blackburn. He says to Joe Lewis, he says, take a breath. He said he's starting to become a bit too courageous. He's staying in the pocket longer. Longer. It's not the time yet. He's still got his legs under him. It's only the whatever it was, the ninth round or tenth round. Don't go all out to get him out. Don't give it away. Let him gain more confidence. And finally, in the later rounds, he'll stand there and slug it toe to toe. And that's when you'll get him out of there. And 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 Blackburn said, Joe, I know what I'm talking about. And Lewis loved Blackburn like a father. He was, in effect, a father figure to him. So he trusted Blackburn implicitly. And as the rounds went on, Khan got more brave. And Khan's corner kept begging him, saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do this. Don't stand in front of him. You're throwing away the game plan. Hit him and run. Win the rounds. You're not going to knock him out. He goes, I'll knock him out. You're not going to knock out Joe Lewis. It's not going to happen. Hit him, land your shots, and then run for the rest of the round. And Khan wouldn't do it. He kept getting more confident and more confident, which is human nature. But what he didn't realize, which Ray Arcel said to me once, is that even a tired Joe Lewis is still punch harder than any man that ever lived. And so the fight goes on and on, and they're, they're throwing shots. Lewis is still worried, you know, because he can't catch him. He can't slow him down. To slow him down, you got to hit him to the body or literally grab him and physically slow him down. He's hitting him to, hitting him to the body, but Khan's taking the shots well. He's not landing solid shots. Lewis is getting his shots in, but not the kind that he liked not where he can stand there and put his whole body behind four or five shots in a row or one good shot and take you out. He's not aiming for the head because Khan's too, sl too slick and too swift and slip shots so well, it's hard to land a good shot in the head. 
Now, around the 11th or 12th, I believe it was the 12th round, uh, Lewis is standing there and Khan hits him a four or five shot volley and Lewis doesn't do anything. Khan hits him another four or five shot volley. Lewis staggers and Khan's thinking, this is it. Now's the time. Now's my title. And he goes after him again. Lewis hugs him and Khan's trying to shake him loose. And as they spin in the ring, Lewis almost falls down. He almost goes down. He's completely off balance. And he goes against the ropes. And, he, you know, and Khan is teeing off on him. And the polo grounds are apoplectic. People are going berserk. They can't believe what's going on now. They, can't, they simply can't believe that what they're watching. This isn't in the realm of possibility. We're, our eyes are seeing it. But our mind can't conceive it. Billy Kahn is about to knock out Joe Lewis. He just staggered the incredible Joe Lewis, the man who can't lose, the forever champion. Lewis may not make the end of this round. And the broadcasters are going crazy, but Lewis is covering up and he's getting hit by Kahn, but he's grabbing onto Kahn. He's weathering the punches. The round ends. Lewis staggers back. He didn't really stagger back, but he goes back to his corner. He's tired. He's exhausted. So he's sitting there, exhausted. And Jack Blackburn says to him, now's the time. Now he's too brave. Now he's, he's, he's uh, getting too brave, and he's standing in front of you. And because he's standing in front of you now, Now's the time to take him up. You want to get rid of him now. You know, now he thinks he can actually get you. So when the round starts, let him, let him come after you. And the round starts and, and Lewis comes out and he, and Blackburn had told him, work it very, take your time. Don't overdo it. Don't over punch. Don't get too anxious. Let Khan come to you. He's going to try to finish you off. Now, in Khan's corner after the 12th round, they're saying, what are you doing? They said, he's, he, Khan said, he's done. He's mine. I'm going to knock him out. And they said, don't. They said, listen, three more rounds to go. In nine minutes, you're the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. You'll have pulled off the greatest upset in boxing history. A thousand years from now, it'll still be the greatest upset in boxing history. Don't go after him. He's tired. He's hurt. Run. Let him chase you. And when he misses you, hit him. Don't stand in front of Joe Lewis. And this was the fatal 13th round. And as Zev alluded to earlier, this was the round that that Khan changed his life in one way forever. Years later, well, I'll tell you the years later story after. So the, the round starts, they come out, and Khan comes out, and he attacks Lewis immediately. Lewis is jabbing him and jabbing him, and Lewis is moving back. And he's moving back, not to get out of the way of Khan's punches, he's moving back to give himself some punching room. And basically, you know, Khan reaches uh, a left, couple left jabs, reaches a right, Lewis slips it, uppercut. And that uppercut staggered Khan. And once Khan was staggered and he stopped, he, he was done. Lewis landed another uppercut, landed a volley of other shots, 
Khan was down. And Lewis just simply turned, looked at him, turned, and went to the corner. Khan had fought the fight of his life. He fought his heart out, and he was trying his best. People were like this, pulling their hair up, biting their lips till they were bleeding. They couldn't believe it. They were yelling, get up, because they were cheering for him now. Get up, get up, get up. And Khan gets up, but by that time, the referee, Eddie Joseph, had said, 10, out. And Khan couldn't do it, couldn't beat the count. Lewis walked over to him, and he wanted to pat him on the head or hug him, but he couldn't because back then the, Lewis had rules that his managers put out for him, which is as a black man, he couldn't, he couldn't be seen to be um, looking down on a white man. So he wasn't allowed to touch him or, or hug him or say good fight. He didn't do that. He wanted to, but it just wasn't done back in those days because of the racism that even the great Joe Lewis faced. And after the fight, they said to Lewis, you know, was he good? He said he's the greatest fighter I ever fought. He's the most talented. He's the slickest fighter I ever fought. He's impossible to hit. He's an all-time great, you know. And if I didn't get lucky in the 13th round, he'd be the champ. Now, after the fight, and this makes a lot of people happy for whatever reason, Lewis and Billy Kahn became almost inseparable. They were very close friends. They loved each other. And they had dinner often together. And, you know, in Vegas one time, Ali came to see them. And uh, he was joking with them how, how he would beat them both in the same night. Billy Khan said, young man, first of all, it was an honor, like, being knighted by the queen to be in the ring with this man. And no one, including you, would have laid a glove on Joe Lewis. Not possible. So I don't necessarily agree with him, but it shows the love and respect he had for him. What I want to get to now is people say, well, what if he doesn't knock him out? Well, referee Eddie Joseph, at the end of the 12th round, had the fight seven rounds to five for Billy Kahn. Judge Billy Healy had it six rounds to six. He had it even with one round even. Judge Marty Monroe had it seven rounds Kahn, four rounds Lewis, one round even. So or excuse me, Healy had it 6-6. Six, six. Obviously, if it's 6-6, six, six, it can't be one round even because they haven't fought the 13th round. So when you look at the scorecards, we'll take referee Eddie Joseph, 7-5. So Lewis wins the 13th, 7-6. That gives him two more rounds. So Lewis could tie, could win the next two after, and win on points. With Billy Healy, he could come out and win on points. With Marty Monroe, he would have got a draw. So Lewis would have won if he won in the last three rounds. He would have won on two of the three judges' cards, you know, winning a majority decision because the third judge would have had a draw. So in that respect, Lewis could have pulled it out. Most people look back and say, he, you know, that wouldn't have happened. He would have lost on points. And he may have if Billy Kahn hadn't gotten too smart for his britches. If you watch the interview after the fight, Khan said, what's the point of being Irish if you can't be stupid? Now, of course, anyone saying that today would get pilloried as well they should. It had nothing to do with him being Irish. It was the fact that he's a great, there are thousands of great Irish fighters and hundreds and hundreds of great Irish world champions. But Billy Khan did what any other normal human being would do when you're fighting the greatest fighter that ever lived. He's beating him handily and it went to his head. 
and he thought, I'm going to put an exclamation mark on my victory. I'm going to knock Joe Lewis out. He wasn't able to do it. And for many years after this fight, they would get together in Pittsburgh, Billy Conn's town, or Las Vegas where Joe Lewis lived, and at different events. And they would play the Con lewis fight. And uh, Joe Lewis would be making jokes and be walking around. And come the 13th round, he'd sit down, and Billy Conn would walk out of the room. And Joe Lewis would tease him. He'd say, Billy, where are you going? You're missing the best part. And so several months after the fight, they were having dinner. Billy Kahn looked at Joe Lewis and said, Joe, you couldn't let me do it, could you? You had to be greedy. You couldn't let me win the title and hold it for six months, and then you win it back. And Joe Lewis, of course, said with this great wit of his, he said, Billy, you were the world heavyweight champion for 12 rounds, and you couldn't hold on to it. Why would I just give it away to you? So they fought again in 46, but Lewis knocked him out easily in the eighth round. Both fighters lost a lot during the Second World War, but Khan lost just about everything in terms of physicality. His legs were gone. And, uh, you know, before the first Lewis fight, he had a fight with his father-in-law and punched him, broke his hand. This is like a month and a half, two months before. So he wasn't completely healthy Although when he went to fight Lewis the first time. Although no fighter really is ever completely healthy when they're in the ring. So the second fight was just a, a walkover. It wasn't much of a contest. It was dull. Lewis ended it in the eighth round. But in that first fight, there was electricity in the air. Everyone was excited because they were witnessing boxing history. This was a night that would go down in boxing history forever. So this fight happened 81 years ago. And you'd have to still rate it as one of the most controversial and one of the greatest fights, heavyweight fights, let's say, of all time. I put it up there with the first Ali Liston fight, uh, with Ali Foreman fight, you know, with Dempsey, Jess Willard, and with Lewis's fight with Max Schmeling. You know, here, here's an interesting thing I wanted to mention. Every day on the internet, on any platform you use, you always see at least two or three postings, greatest knockouts of all time. And it's usually done by some kid who's in his 20s. They never list Joe Lewis. Which to me, I don't even watch these lists because they're bogus. Someone mentioned Edwin Valero, the late featherweight champ who murdered his wife and took his own life. You can't compare Edwin Valero down here to Joe Lewis up here. If you have a list of all-time greatest knockouts, Joe Lewis is number one. My friend Douglas Fisher at Ring Magazine just named him as the greatest knockout puncher of all time. Who else could it be than Joe Lewis? I mean, his knockout total was staggering, and I have it right here. 66 fights and 66 wins, 52 knockouts, three losses. That was it. He knocked out 52 of the 66 men he fought. And when Joe Lewis hit you, you were finished. No one was ever the same again in their career after Joe Lewis knocked him out, except one man, Jersey Joe Walcott, was able to recover. But other than that, no one. So this was a great fight. It's available on YouTube. I'm telling you, even though you know the outcome 
and I'm sure Zev and and uh, David Chase. I'm wondering if that's the same David Chase who did Sopranos would would um, agree. It's still an exciting fight to watch because as you're watching it, you can't believe the artistry of Billy Kahn. And near the end of the 12th round, you're thinking Lewis is going down. I can't believe Lewis is going down. This can't be happening. No one can do this to Joe Lewis, what Billy Kahn did. And because of the fact that he got his dander up and Lewis knew this was gonna happen. And Jack Blackburn, his brilliant trainer, one of the greatest trainers ever to have set foot on this earth, in his corner kept saying, wait, 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 wait. And after the 12th round, he said, now. Now he's gonna stand in front of you. He thinks you're done. Take your time, jab, jab, uppercut, second uppercut, and then he's finished. And he followed Jack Blackburn's um, advice to the letter, and he retained his title as the undisputed world heavyweight champion, 25 title defenses. Without a doubt, the greatest boxing machine, the greatest punching machine ever to set foot on the face of God's green earth is Joe Lewis. If you don't know about Joe Lewis, go look him up. There's so many books. Read Chris Mead's book on him. Read Randy Roberts' book on him. Read Adam Pollock's book on him. I mean, you got to read about Joe Lewis. He is just the most phenomenal fighting machine ever that this world has ever seen. He was absolutely perfect. He was the flawless fighter. And he, he was, as, as Damon Runyon said, he was a credit to his race the human race. So actually it wasn't Damon Runyon, but that was a great comment about him. A credit to his race, the human race. There was no one like him. Self-effacing, brilliant, kind. Uh, Joe Lewis sadly died at, at a young age of 66 in Vegas, April 12th, 1981. A lot of people thought it was sad that Joe Lewis ended up as a greeter, but he didn't because he thought I'd done my job. I'd saved America by beating Max Schmeling. I'd lifted all of America up during the war years and during the Great Depression. And he was right. I don't want to get into his troubles other than that the IRS taxed him on income that he had donated to the Army Navy Relief Fund and hounded him until Sinatra paid it off. And they still hounded him after that. But he was dearly loved by everyone. And uh, he died in 1981, April 12th, the day after Larry Holmes fought. He was in Vegas to see the fight. Uh, Billy Kahn outlived him. Billy Kahn died May 29th, 1993 at age 75. These men, when my father was a kid, when Angelo Dundee was young, these men were giants of the, of the ring world. I grew up hearing about these legendary people to the extent that I didn't even think they were real until... I got older. And as my father used to say to me, you know, I didn't really think there really was a Superman until I saw Joe Lewis. And if anyone deserves to be called Superman or a superhero, forget all that stuff about Marvel and DC Comics. Joe Lewis, every inch of him was Superman, the greatest fighter ever to walk the face of this earth. I'm Lou Eisen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Ring Talk. Keep hydrated and we'll see you next Sunday afternoon. Take care. Bye-bye.